This is the WFG National Title Insider Report, featuring industry experts, thought leadership, and what's trending to keep you informed and ahead of the market. In this episode, we welcome journalist and entrepreneur Brad Inman, well-known in the real estate profession for founding Inman.com, the industry's leading source of information, education, and events. We've gotten to know you through the years as a real estate expert, obviously Inman.com. Take us back, though, to growing up in southern Illinois. What was it that maybe sparked you into media and journalism in the first place? Oh, sure, Brian. Kind of boring, but I was in high school. My dad, from a very young age, read two newspapers a day, the morning and afternoon St. Louis Post Dispatch and Globe Democrat. And uh, he loved journalism. And, you know, we all want to be like our fathers. And uh, he wasn't a journalist. He was he was a retailer struggling with all the woes there. And so I always had it in my blood. And then I was high school. A weird thing happened. The superintendent of the local school, I was a little nerdy. And uh, he came to me and said, would you write um, the weekly sports column in the local newspaper? And I don't know why he ever picked me, but um, I said, of course, because I, I love sports as an observer. I was a grunt and not a good athlete. So because my dad likes sports. So I started writing sports in high school and then, you know, typical editor of the school newspaper and, and all that stuff. I would say though, just like then I wasn't a participant, Brian, I wasn't on the field. I was an observer and I don't hate you for saying it, but I hate when people call me an expert. I'm not an expert. I'm an observer. I can tell you today on this podcast what I've observed in the real estate industry. But And right now, my view of the world is we should listen to health experts, but all the other experts, give me a break. They don't know. No one has a playbook. This isn't like anything we've ever experienced with corona and the economy. And anyone that can tell us what's going to happen or is around the bend, I think it's, you know, there isn't a playbook here. Yeah, but blah, blah, blah. I'm rambling. Yeah, good point. We'll t- talk about that observation in just a sec, because you've talked to people around the industry and uh, a lot of great insight and content on Inman.com. Uh, you know, you talk about sports, so it's interesting. You didn't take that as a career path, though. At what point did you choose or did real estate choose you? Because you've been at this for a while. Where did that uh, happen? Yeah, I, you know, I got out of Carlinville as soon as I could. <laughs> you know, there was 20% of every rural graduating high school class, they can't wait to escape. And I knew I wanted to go to one of two places. I wanted to go to San Francisco. I wanted to go to New York or that area. I went to school in Boston. And I don't know what it was. Right away, I was interested in the whole urban built environment. And I got really motivated around issues like redlining and the unfairness of unfair lending. And, you know, where I came from, you could, everyone had land or had a house or they were farmers and property was central to looking back agricultural, um, you know, farmers were, you know, my father's customers and to go to some place where there was such disparity and inequality and to see, all these woes and being young and passionate like we all were in our 20s. um, I just glommed on to the real estate issue. It just kind of came to me and I loved it and I always loved it. And um, so I began after graduating in a few years, I'd I'd spent some time in research and 
some other things. And then I had an opportunity to write for the San Francisco Examiner when I moved west. And I wrote about uh, the stuff I really cared about, which was real estate. And uh, you really couldn't have picked a better market to be writing about real estate, right? San Francisco, uh, that market over the past 20, 30 years, a lot has happened. It's been the epicenter for not only technology, but real estate's been a, a big part of that too, right? Yeah, I mean, it's um, there's no question that um, the Bay Area is you know, a, a laboratory for everything that can go wrong. Um, but at the same time, everything can go right if you look at home homeowner appreciation. So for some, you know, 60% of the people in the Bay area, you know, it's been a golden goose and, uh, for everybody else, it's been, um, um, you know, very challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you not only were an observer and writing about it for the examiner, then you obviously had this entrepreneurial DNA, right? You decide to branch out and I guess with the knowledge, the insight, the observations you made, uh, delve into the industry and, you know, do your own thing. Talk about that. When did you decide to do that? Because I mean, that's a big leap from being an observer to, to actually participating in it. Yeah. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I think I, you know, I love content. I love journalism. It's a true love, but I came from a household where we we're all talking about business ideas and business schemes. And, you know, it was my parents, particularly my mother, who always wanted, she was very ambitious and she was always pushing us to be ambitious, which I'm very grateful for. And, uh, so it was just a matter of time before, you know, I was sitting in Oakland, California, being a journalist, not making much money with babies and, uh, you know, uh, Childcare, and I thought, hmm, we can do better than this. And actually, one of the first ventures I got involved with was at the San Francisco Examiner doing something called the Home Buyers Fair. And I, I wound up doing those all over the country with big metropolitan newspapers. And this is pre-internet. And lo and behold, consumers were in desperate need of independent information. And uh, we offered an event, very educational and focused, and hundreds of thousands of people over the course of a few years attended these events and that was one of the first, um, entrepreneuring things. And then I got into databases and helped Microsoft. And then I started home gain and book and, um, turn here and, you know, all kinds of enterprises and businesses. And, uh, you know, it's just in my blood. I'm involved right now in a, in a project, uh, on, on climate change, which is super exciting, which I can tell you all about later. Back it up and talk about, uh, home gain. It's interesting because you talk about timing in business and you had done that pre-internet, right? With the papers around the country. And so that essentially became the internet version of what you were doing with the newspapers, right? Yeah. Home gain was a consumer, you know, my writing up until that point was all consumer. Inman News is a B2B publication that came out of an accidental story that I stumbled on as a consumer writer, but home gain um, you know, it just is in your blood, you know, the internet was, it, it mapped like it does to many people to my brain, which was all over the map. You know, my brain goes all over the map and the internet was like, it was made for me. And I saw all the opportunity and, you know, I helped Microsoft build home advisor and that I learned a lot about product development from the Microsoft folks. And it was a really fantastic experience. And so out of the blue, I met a venture guy and he said, it was reading me to read, read Inman to read about all the new tech startups. 
And he said, you should do something. And he, you know, turned out to be technology crossover ventures, TCV, one of the world leading venture capitalists. And he said, we'll fund whatever you do. And I don't think it mattered what I did. And I came up with this idea of home gain, which, you know, really was the blueprint for, for Zillow and many other companies um, in terms of, you know, about everything we did from, you know, we invented the consumer home valuation before anybody. And uh, it was immensely popular and our traffic instantly caught up with home advisor, which I'd helped create and realtor.com, which unnerved the gang at realtor.com who came after us. And part of that behavior is what resulted in Homestore getting into all kinds of problems with the justice department. And, uh, you know, it was a fun time. It was really difficult to introduce something that innovative. And, um, but we, we did it all, you know, from the home valuation to selling leads to helping home sellers. And it was really a fun time. And the company turned out to be very successful and we sold it for a lot of money. And suddenly poor journalist, you know, I had some money in the bank, which was, you know, something I'd never imagined. And, uh, that scale. So that, that was a great experience. And talk about that transition because you go from building a company, uh, you know, for many years, right. I don't know. I want to say living paycheck to paycheck, but you know, you haven't hit it big, right. What was that like when you, when you sold that company and then you had all these other opportunities, probably things in your, your head that had been rattling around for years that you wanted to do, and then you could actually do those things. Talk about what that was like in your own head as to where well, you were no, at that I'll point. Tell you, I'll tell you a story. I was living in Sausalito, and I just sold the company. I had literally just closed, and I had not called my father yet. And um, I went into a bar uh, in a guy was in the bar who had a boat out on the water and um, he was telling me how he had that boat for a year and he was traveling around the world. And I decided, Oh, that sounds like fun. And the bottom line, I was kind of full of myself, but here's how I got cut short. I'm walking down the street in Sausalito overlooking San Francisco thinking I'm pretty smart, you know, pretty special. And uh, call my dad and say, dad, it closed. And he was so happy. And, a homeless guy. And I think there weren't that many in Sausalito, but he walked up to me and he was asking for money. And I kind of shooed him away in a pretty um, not friendly way. I was like, Hey, you know, I'm on the phone talking to my father. And my dad said, who is that? And I said, well, it was a homeless guy, dad. He's bothering me. He said, Bradley, hang up the phone and whatever money you have in your pocket, I want you to go give to that man. And I said, oh, okay. Cause I always listen to my dad. So, I opened my wallet. I think I gave him $80. And then I called my dad back and he said, Hey, you get stars in your your eyes and your head will blow up. Um, And, uh, you know, especially when you have a successful one and you think, you you know, and I'd been successful with him and and now, you know, you got to be careful, you know? So what I love about going, what's going on now is this is a great equalizer. You know, we're all the same. We're all in our homes, in our PJs or whatever. Um, There's no big shot offices. You know, big shots don't seem to matter as much. And uh, so I always struggle never to let, you know, as as we all know, hubris will kill you. And uh, I I don't want to sit here and say I haven't suffered from it because I have. You know, I can be a smarty pants. And so, you know, it's all about self-awareness. Right, Brian? Yeah, no question. 
And now you touch so many people in the industry through Inman.com, through the events, New York and Vegas. And I mean, do you ever stop and I mean, you must. I mean, you're you're down to earth here. You must stop and think, wow. I mean, we've come a long way in the, what, 30 plus years of, you know, being in and around this business. I mean, you impact so many people, you and your team every day. Um, you know, we have a great community at Inman, and I would I would say the power of Inman comes from that community. Our stories come from them. Um, profiles we do of people in the industry come from them. Their criticism gets us back on track when we're drifting. Um, you know, I just read a lengthy email today from a gentleman in San Francisco who owns a big brokerage, and he had read about the Compass layoffs, and he basically said, I told you so now you know, you need to do this and this and this and this and this. I think back in the day, I would have taken that as, you know, who are you? But now I realized, you know, he had some really good points and I made sure the editors and writers, you know, read it. And, uh, but I get those all day. And, you know, I get, I get uh, criticized every day. Um, people are constantly saying things and often personal things. And, uh, um, but that, in there all these it's kind of like a drunk person that goes off on you in in that drunken tirade it's the <laughs> truth and in the tirades i get online personally and otherwise there's often truth and you got to open your mind and listen but my whole point is the community is the first thing and then we have an incredible team at inman we have some of the best digital media people in the world i mean people like joss albertson who i worked with uh and and lockhart steel you know, they started Curb and I supported that and served as chair, but they did it. They sold it to Vox Media, Vox Media, uh, you know, Josh and Locke were there. And then Josh went on to help Gawker. And, you know, he's a lawyer, he's an accountant, not accountant, he's a lawyer and he's a super finance pro. And these are, and then they brought a whole group from Vox and AOL and some real digital. So a lot of people don't know that, you know, it's not Brad Inman. There is a team of some of the best digital media people in the world. And the, and the way to understand it is to look at what they've been doing the last three weeks. They completely shifted the focus to service journalism to support our readers in a really tough time with hard hitting news. We, as you know, we don't back down. We don't, we don't sell the news hole to sponsors. Um, we, we tell the truth, but also really a big shift in involving our community and doing more and more things to make sure, you know, we help people survive in a very, very tough, tough time. Yeah. And you managed to do it almost like Switzerland, right? I mean, you'll do an event and you may have Zillow or Compass sitting right next to uh, a traditional real estate company on a panel. This is really kind of the one place where everyone comes together and plays nice for the most part, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a function of our readership. You know, we're not aligned with the brand. No one owns us. No one, you know, we won't take, I've never allowed anyone to invest in Inman. So it's, you know, a clean cap table financially, but it's also clean ethically. And uh, our writers and editors, you know, we don't allow them to invest in real estate related concerns. If there's any, sometimes contributors are, um, with companies or investing you know, these are contributing writers, but we, we require them to disclose it. So I think people do understand no matter how often they may disagree with us, that it's a big tent real estate and Inman reflects that big tent. 
I mean, one of our obsessions for many years has been diversity on stage. And, you know, that's because the real estate industry is diverse and it didn't make sense to us not to make sure their voices. And that's true of our team and that's true of the real estate community. And that's true of the inman stage and that's true of the inman sources and contributors. So we just mirror that very diverse community. So I think it's really, you know, you go to ERA franchise meeting, you're going to see ERA people, you go to KW and you're going to see KW and, you know, we're not that we're just different. And, you know, it maps to our readership, our readership's global, our readership's diverse, our readership is all the different companies. And um, so it's, it seems kind of logical, but that's, that's how we think about it. Yeah. Now, in that role, you're really the hub of information. So I know you're talking to industry leaders around the country right now. They're talking to you. You say you're an observer. So give us your perspective on this uh, and where we're at. I mean, it's obviously unprecedented with the virus here. Uh, give us the perspective that maybe only you can share, uh, which is, you know, that melting pot of information from around the country. What are you hearing um, in terms of duration of this, and what are the leaders of major real estate companies doing to manage in this time? Well, I like to say it's not a recession, it's not a depression, it's a, it's a, we're in a deep freeze. Um, or as Robert Repkin, I recently did a, a podcast with him, and Robert described it as a standstill. And um, I think momentarily after 9-11, I think somewhat during the national recession, but nothing like this when all the economic participants are confined to their homes and, you know, the airlines have basically come to a halt and retail, you know, has come to a halt and hospitality has come to a halt. And, you know, these are, you know, unemployment gone from full and full employment to somebody, they're now talking 30% unemployment. Um, you know, housing markets in other parts of the world that suffered from Corona first, having a 90% drop in transactions. Um, so to me, that's not being dark. That's being realistic. And it's the one thing we always say at Inman News, no matter what the news, no matter how good or how bad, tell it like it is. And that I'm afraid is where we're at. And then the second question that pops in, you know, suddenly we've all become Keynesian at economists, you know, we're all for government bailing everybody out. So we're going to see the benefits and probably the long-term consequences of, you know, a $2 trillion bailout. And it looks like this bailout is more evenly divided between individuals and companies and small business. But so that's a factor that we're just learning about these last couple of days, trying to understand it. Um, And then, the third question, I think, is what, how soon do we recover from the virus wave? You know, our governor in California said three months of confinement. That means the freeze could be on for quite a bit longer. Um, and then the question is, when do we come through that? And then what is the, when do we get back up and going after that? Now, we saw like 9-11, we get back up and going pretty quickly. Uh, we can, we're capable of it. But uh but then our spirits were zapped. There was lot big loss of life, but it was confined geographically. We were all scared. If you think back to then, we were as, we were in fear then, like we are now. 
um, the uncertainty. Will they bomb L.A.? Will they bomb Chicago? Will, you know, the pipe bombers, what, what will happen next? Um, here, it's similar to that fear by an unknown, by, you know, an outside contagion. And then it was terrorism. So that's some similarity. The economic downturn teaches us about, you know, in the housing market, it just collapsed. You know, it took months. It didn't collapse overnight like mm -hmm. now, but there are a lot of lessons there. But now it's just a matter of how long does it take for the economy to get back after, um, you know, this thing works itself through the system, you know, probably sometime this summer. And then we'll see in the fall if we're back on track. But I think here we are, what, Brian, April 1st, almost uh, April, May, June, July, August, September, I think five to six months. But I don't know. There is not a playbook. We don't know what other shoe might drop. We don't know what other externalities might occur. So I don't want to sit here and pretend to be an expert and predict. But that's what I'm hearing from all the experts. You know, And what you're sharing is what we appreciate because – not to name any names, but as you know, in the real estate industry, it's uh, often common to sugarcoat things or, uh, you know, smoke and mirrors about the economy or what's happening to put a, sp a certain spin on things, right? So that it's a more rosy picture than it may actually be. And, and that's, you know, a lot of realtors tend to be that way just to begin with. And you have to be realistic with your consumers, right? Yeah, I I agree with you, Brian. It, the only thing I would do, listen closely, like join in, people should join the Facebook Coast to Coast um, Facebook page. There's about yeah. 20,000 people there. The only reason I say that is you'll see all kinds of voices. You'll see the hustlers, but you'll see the pragmatic. You'll see the death, you know, uh, star folks who think it's coming <laughs> to an end. And you, you'll see it all. And I think the key is to, to absorb all of that and come up with what's real. You know, I always tell my reporters about that hustle factor of the realtor, you know, the spin and all that. Yeah. They, they like, and it, you know, I try to put a stop to it, but they can poke fun of our own readers. And I say, no. I said, well, actually, let's try something. What if I don't um, pay you? No maternity leave, no paternity leave, no, no health insurance, no um, benefits, no salary, no nothing. And, um, you know, 30, 60, 90 days, I'll check and see if your writing boosted our readership. And I maybe if you're lucky, if things go right, I'll deposit some money in your checking account. Oh, by the way, you have to split it up with about 10 other people. Um, <laughs> is that with other writers? And I said, would you try that? And then we'll have an experiment, see how that makes you feel. And let's see if, in fact, it might change your personality a little. I mean, realtors wake up every morning, as you know, without a job. Yeah. And they're so easy to make fun of. But, you know, that's such a trite exercise, I think, when people do that. I mean, these are my readers, so I'm very loyal to them. I often say, you know, I've taught at Cal Berkeley and done cool things like that. And if I could spend an evening with a room full of faculty at Cal Berkeley or 10 realtors, there would be no question that I would choose those 10 realtors. They're fun. They're optimistic. They have to be to survive. Yeah. So there's a part of them that I, at their very core, and most of them are ethical, and most of them are you know following the rules. And that 10% that we see on TV or that Hollywood makes fun of or that we've all met, um, <laughs> you know, I don't think they comprise the majority of the real estate agents. And I think we have to understand 
what that motivation even comes from. But I'll tell you what, I met some really sleazy journalists and I met, you know, there's more and more out there, it seems, particularly in broadcast media uh, that don't impress me any more than, you know, some hilarious, colorful realtor that has a banana on the top of his of his banana <laughs> real estate company. I mean, um, so I, I think we're all, you know, a little too hard on the industry. <laughs> well put. Now, uh, take care of some business. If you have any idea on what's happening with the Las Vegas event at the end of July, where are we at with that? I mean, you know, you talk about this recovery three to six months. Where are we at with that? Is it still on? Inman is always on. Um, you know, we we reinvested. Uh, we're investing. We're not pulling back. We're not, and it, you know, no, we're not laying off people. We are committed and uh, Inman's always been, and I've always been about creating a new experiences. You know, we invented the modern day real estate conference, the interview, all the things we've done. Um, everyone copied us and that's flattery. I'm, I love it. And you're going to see some stuff come out of Inman in the next 30 days. It's going to blow you away because our duty is to connect people in really amazing ways. And as you said, a diversity of, of and collection of people. And so whatever we do and we're, you know, the circumstances out of our control will dictate any decisions about how we do things today in relationship to how we used to do things. But I guarantee you what you're going to see if that changes something that's even better than what we ever did in a physical event. So you just watch it's, um, you know, we have a, incredible team of people who are creating something and i'll just tease you with that that's going to be mind-blowing oh i get it always leave them wanting more right yeah well it's this is a time more than ever to innovate and unfortunately people a lot of people cannot um, but we're in a really great position we've never had more readers we've never had more subscribers we've never had more commentary we've never had more participation I mean, I don't know if you know, we, we threw something up on Facebook and said, show you, show us a picture of your home office. Hundreds and hundreds of Inman readers let us into their homes and took pictures. And next thing we said is, show us your QB, your quarantine buddy. Hundreds of people took pictures <laughs> of their animals and their wives and their, you know, and that's the intimate relationship that we have with our readers. It's really unusual for a media company and it's now stronger than it's ever been. So it gives us the opportunity to invest in things to further those connections, um, but also to, to facilitate even more participations. So what's coming next will blow you all away. And thanks to Brad Inman for joining us on the Insider Report. And thank you for partnering with WFG to learn more about our unique process, systems, and technology. Visit WFGAgent.com.